Well, that hymn talks about all the people who came to Jesus seeking healing from him. Our gospel lesson today talks about someone who came to Jesus seeking knowledge from him. As Jesus was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You may be seated as we explore our gospel reading for today. We're going to do that using the, um, the sermon outline that's printed in your service folder. You might like to follow along with that. Well, suppose you're working on a project. Girls and boys, maybe you're supposed to be cleaning your room or writing a, a book report. Adults, maybe you are weeding your garden or cleaning your room, or doing some research for a client, or maybe writing a sermon. The question is this, how do you know when you're done? What's the standard by which you decide by, that what you are doing is, is good enough? There's a philosophy in the business world that, that speaks to this, and that says the good is ever the enemy of the best. In other words, don't be satisfied with mediocrity. Don't settle for less than you are capable of doing. Because good enough isn't always good enough. Well, maybe you've heard it the other way around, though. The best is ever the enemy of the good. What that means is don't be paralyzed by perfectionism. Don't fail to do something just because you can't do everything. Of those two opposing philosophies, I would say that the man in our gospel lesson leaned more towards the first one, that the good is ever the enemy of the best. He wanted to be the best. He knew he was good. In fact, he knew he was better than good. He just wasn't sure that was good enough. Well, that's why he came to Jesus. Now, let's back up for a minute. Based on the information given us in today's gospel lesson, what's your impression of this man? What word would you, I'm going to show some on the screen, give you a little preview, uh, but uh, show some on the screen. What word would you say best describes him? Would it be something like humble or proud? Was he sincere or fake? I think that this, of those four words, is the one that best describes him. I truly believe that he was sincere. And, and I think it's helpful for us to approach this interaction between Jesus and the man with, with that understanding because maybe then we'll pay a little more attention to it as well we should. Your sermon outline really divides what we want to do today in, into two parts. This is what you always want to do with the sermon, right? You want to explore the text, and then you want to apply it to the lives of people. Uh, sometimes we come at it in different ways, but we're just going to do that very straightforward approach today. To take a quick look at the text, first of all, 
And uh, in there, to show you why I believe the man was sincere, based on his actions, he, first he came up and knelt before Jesus. If you look through all of the Gospels, the only time you'll ever find anybody kneeling before Jesus is when they were sincerely asking him for help. Those who uh, had other purposes, trying to trick him or something, they always stood and they looked him right in the eye and asked their questions. This man knelt, and then he addressed Jesus in a way that's, that's unique to him as far as I could see. Nowhere else in the Gospels does somebody address Jesus by calling him good. Some people talk about him that way. This is the only time where somebody says that directly to him. He calls him good teacher. I don't want to read too much into the, the teacher part because a lot of people, foes and friends alike, referred to Jesus as teacher. But, but the last thing is really what seals the deal for me. When he went away from Jesus, he went away sad, not mad. We'll talk about that more a little bit later. But the fact that he didn't become angry says to me he was sincerely seeking information from Jesus. If he was trying to trick him, I think he would have been mad that he had been shown up, that Jesus had, had shown him to be the fake and, and the fraud that he obviously was. So now what was the Lord's reaction to the man's actions? Kind of surprising in some ways. First of all, Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Well, Jesus is good. Jesus is God. So let's not misunderstand what he says here. He's, he's not saying otherwise. Rather, he was making a clear-cut distinction. God is good. Human beings are not. The way to God is not to discover from another human his secret for how you can be good enough to get yourself into heaven. And actually, there's no secret about that. If, if you want to know what you have to do to be good enough to get into heaven, Jesus is pretty clear about that. Keep the commandments, <laughs> which the man thought he had done. His response to Jesus was, oh, yeah, okay, I've done that. What's next? He thought surely there was something else that he had to do, and it sure sounds as if he thought something else that, that he was able to do, and that would be good enough. So Jesus kind of doubled down on him and said, okay, I'll see your obedience, and I'll raise you even more obedience. One thing you lack. One thing I'd think there'd be many things that this man lacked that, that we lack. And we, we could go that direction. Jesus chose not to. What he was doing was zeroing in on the one thing this man lacked. A big thing. Faith in someone other than yourself. Faith that looks to the needs of others, not your own. Faith that is not self-serving, but is self-sacrificing. And then Jesus ends with, come, follow me. That's always his invitation, isn't it? It's his invitation to us as well every day to follow him, 
and in so doing to remove from our lives whatever leads us away from our Savior. So that's, a, I think, was a quick look at the text. Now let's uh, try to apply that to ourselves. The first thing, we're going to begin with this. Jesus loved this man, and he loves us. It's almost kind of an aside in the text, the way that it's written, but we don't want to just gloss over it. Mark just says, uh, Jesus looked at him and loved him, and then he said to him. But let's pause there. Jesus loved him. And Jesus loves us. And notice how he expressed his love for this man. He did so by speaking the truth to him. These days, it seems as if loving somebody means that you can't disagree with them, that, that you have to approve and agree with everything that they say and do so that if this conversation were happening today... We might expect Jesus to have loved the man and then to have said to him, well, you know, yeah, maybe that's close enough. It's not exactly the way that that I would have said it, but okay, good enough. No, he loved him too much to say anything to him but the truth. And so, as we said before, the, uh, the reaction of this man was to go away sad, not Mad. I think we can learn something from that. How often do we get mad at something that we read in the scriptures? Maybe, maybe we don't recognize it as anger, but what we do is just ignore it because, well, obviously that can't apply to me, or, or I don't want to do it there, so no, and we just leave it behind. Let's not get mad. And let's not be sad, but rather with joy. Let's hear what the one who loves us out of love for us says to us. And now here's where I have to tell you, you're going to have a, a living example of that uh, philosophy of the, of the best is ever the enemy of the good. Because this morning, I threw out the last part of my sermon. I decided it wasn't good enough. Last night, it seemed okay, but then didn't really think it, it did the job. So the reason I'm telling you this is you're, you're going to have to cut me a little bit of slack. Since I threw it out this morning, I didn't really have the opportunity to do more than, than jot down a couple of thoughts. So some of the words might not come out exactly right, and, and yet uh, I prefer the, this last part of the sermon to, uh, to what I preached last night. And here's the reason. I, I, last night I didn't really address why did Jesus say what he said? Why didn't he just tell this guy, you can't do it? I think there's two misapplications that we want to watch out for in this regard. Number one is to look at Jesus' words of, of sell everything you have and, and give to the poor. One misapplication would be to say, well, that's a universal command to everybody, and I can't do that, so I can't follow Jesus. That's really the reaction of, of this guy in the gospel lesson, and if that command were given to us, that may well be our reaction as well. And uh, I'm just trying to speak the truth there. But the, uh, the other extreme would be to think that this command in no way applies to us. 
that Jesus' point is simply that you need to have faith, which was his point. But since Jesus' point is you need to have faith, and well, I have faith, so that's good. No selling my possessions and, and giving to the poor is required. Dodge that bullet. But don't you see the, the real application is, is somewhere in the middle there. And this is where my, my words aren't quite as crisp as I'd like them to be. First one's easy enough. There's really two primary applications to this. Number one is you can't do something to earn heaven. So don't come up to Jesus or to somebody else and say, what can I do? What must I do? Jesus' point to this man and to us, therefore, is very clear. You can't do anything to get yourself into heaven. There's always at least one thing that you lack. And if you think you've accomplished that, then there's going to be one more thing. And then there's going to be one more thing. Because it isn't about what we do. It's really about who we are in our hearts. And in our hearts, we continue to be sinful sinners every day. What must I do? What can I do? Can't do anything. But but here's the other side. You don't have to do anything because Jesus has done everything. And faith receives what Jesus gives. Faith is doing what Jesus invited that man to do, to follow him. One of the things that really strikes me about the man's response is, while on the one hand I'm pretty impressed that he, that he didn't get mad, that he went away sad, how unfortunate it is that he went away at all. Jesus did not send him away. Jesus did not want him to go away. Jesus invited him to follow him. He invites us to do the same thing. He pleads with us, really, not to make the same mistake that this man made. And so... While if we were faced with the same choice that, that he had to make, we might well have done just what he did. Jesus' invitation to us is still the same. Come, follow me. Because the real question is not, what can I do? We've already established the problem with that. You can't do anything that will make you good enough. The real question is, what can God do? What could God have done with that fellow in the gospel lesson? If he hadn't walked away, if, if he'd have stayed close to Jesus, maybe Jesus could have done for him what, what he has done and continues to do for us. Maybe he could have turned his heart away from himself and, and from his possessions and, and toward God and, and toward the others, all others whom God loves. What can God do? He can turn our hearts from being self-serving to self-sacrificing. A couple of great examples of that today. You've already seen the, uh, the LWML. I love their, their motto. 
serve the Lord with gladness, and then to be able to, to see them reading the, uh, the LWML pledge, which is all about service. And, and in just a few minutes, we're going to be able to commission those who are going on a short-term mission trip. It's also a, a, a short-term service trip. That's what Jesus calls us to do. That's what God can do and wants to do through each of us to serve others. But we also need to ask that question, what has God already done? You know, early in the, uh, this exchange, Jesus says to the man, no one is good except God alone. And you know, God was not satisfied with that. God said, that's not good enough for me. He wanted to share his goodness with all people. And so Jesus did what the man in the gospel lesson couldn't and what we can't in order to make us good, in order to make heaven our inheritance. Jesus had to follow his own instructions, the ones that, that he gave in the gospel lesson about selling everything and, and giving it to the needy. That's what Jesus did. He sold everything, giving up his riches in heaven, enduring the agony of the cross so that he could give it away, so that he could give heaven to the poor. That's, that's us, poor, miserable sinners. And now, because of that, Jesus can say of us, not only is is no one good except for God. All through faith are good just like God. Jesus calls us good. Can you believe it? And guess what? That's good enough. Amen. And the peace of God which passes all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus Amen.